first things first, um, let's uh, go to prayer. Um, I know there's needs here, um, so we'll pray again. I'm, I have the philosophy that you can never pray too much, so um, I don't read anywhere in the Word of God where it says you've prayed too much. Um, if anything, we definitely have not been praying enough. Um, but as you can see, Pastor and Roxy are not here. Uh, that is because Pastor and Hope are sick. So we'll uh, we'll hope it's fine. You can just let them run across. Um, or you can just let them lay there now. <laughs> just horse collar them. Um, yeah, it's fine. So let's pray for them. They have uh, Dallas is going for his ordination on Friday, I think, or Saturday. So he's been kind of stressed out with that, um, and it really doesn't. I mean, it basically, just, they just have books he has to read. It's it's kind of like going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he kind of procrastinated a little bit, I'm sure. So. Some of it's self-inflicted, but but Hopi is is sick. She was sick yesterday, um, so let's remember her and their family. And then obviously, the numbers have dwindled. So if there's a reason that anybody's not here, let's just pray for them. Um, you know, we don't want any ill will towards anybody. So you want even I just pray that they're home resting um, after the harvest party last night, and. Uh, We'll just pray that they're all together back on Sunday. All right? So let's join together. It's not going to be just me, but let's pray together um, and lift these things up towards the Lord, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, for giving us the opportunity to come here, Lord, to, to be in the midst of fellow believers where we can lift one another up, where we can help each other with our burdens so that we don't have to bear those alone, that we can be a help to those we are around Heavenly Father. We pray for Dallas, for Roxy, for Hope especially. God, that you will touch them, that you will heal her. Lord, let let healing just envelop that family and that home. God, that that Dallas will will just have a full recovery before this weekend um, so he can be in his right mind uh, and just feel 100% as he goes before the board. I pray for those that aren't here, Lord. There are quite a few people that are not here tonight, but I know that you are with them wherever they're at, and I pray that they are safe and they are sound in their homes and in the midst of their families. God, and I pray for this lesson. I pray that we will learn something, that we will leave here a little better than when we came because that is always our number one priority, to come with needs, with desires, with wants, with questions, and to leave with at least some of those being answered because you are an answering God. You are an all-powerful God who desires to meet our needs. That is your heartbeat. We are your heartbeat, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right. So, we have been teaching on gifts of the Spirit uh, for quite a few months now. Um, we only get a chance every couple of Tuesdays, so uh, it's it's a good uh, progression of 
questions that are being answered um, because it's good to just kind of sit back and study a little bit. I mean, we need preaching. Preaching is what saves. But teaching and learning is of the utmost importance. Once you're here, you got to grow. you got to learn. We don't want to be stagnant. We want to be always growing. That's how people stay young. They're learning, reading, doing, keep the mind going. And that's how God intended it. So tonight, for we're going to be talking about laying on of hands. We've been talking about healing and these types of things. So tonight, we're going to look at laying on of hands, or basically praying for someone with a physical touch, um, and kind of what that means, and, and what how the Bible shows that, so that way people just have a better understanding of it. And hopefully, um, for those of you that are at home, will be listening to this right now on the podcast or online, and be able to go through the scriptures with us uh, as we um, look and in, delve into this just a little bit. So we're going to start with Mark sixteen seventeen through eighteen. I don't have anybody running the projection back there, but um, we're kind of shorthanded. So, and I, I, got, I don't think Maurice has been schooled in the ways of the projection system yet. I mean, how is that possible? You've been here for like since the beginning, bro. How do you not know how to run the projection yet? I might have talked to Dallas about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll just play. We'll just do it the old school way. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. If you don't know, it goes New Testament, Matthew, then Mark. And then you have chapter 16. Ashy waves his hands. Uh, chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. And then we're going to go directly to... Hebrews chapter 6, but we'll read these scriptures first. Bible says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. We believe. In my name, that's Jesus' name, shall they cast out devils, shall speak with new tongues. And verse 18 says, They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Um, obviously, we are not a snake handling church. Uh, some churches have given Pentecostals a bad name with that, unfortunately. Uh, but there was a time when Paul got bit by a serpent, a deadly snake, and the locals were just watching him because he should have just shriveled up and died, basically. Um, but he didn't. It says he shook the snake off, and he was fine. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. This happened in the Bible as well. And it says they shall lay hands on the sick. And it doesn't stop there. It says they shall recover. Amen? And we see this multiple times in the Bible, and we've seen it multiple times here, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. 
smushed right in between those small books, Philemon and James. It's Hebrews. One and two. he's staying one and two says therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ let us go on unto perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God but here in verse two says of the doctrine of baptisms laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment Here laying on of hands is more than just a simple act. It's a key doctrine that was utilized and was used multiple times in the New Testament. Especially with the infilling of the Holy Ghost or when people receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It represents the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. For in the book of Acts... Uh, it came. It, it commonly came with the laying on of hands. And what we're going to talk about is that it's not. It's not that there's supernatural power that happens with the laying on of hands, but it's a representation of what God is trying to do. And we're going to get deeper into that. But I first want to look at the Old Testament just to show you kind of how it was used uh, in the Old Testament time. Um, a couple of examples. It was used as a blessing or uh, a designation of someone who was a successor. So we have Jacob. Everybody knows Jacob. Um, in Genesis forty-eight fourteen, it says, And Israel, that was Jacob, that was his new name, it says, Israel stretched out his right hand, laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So, whenever they would be passing on a blessing to their children, they would always symbolically be, they would lay their hand, usually their right hand, which is a symbol of power, uh, <clears throat> on their firstborn's head when they were um, close to passing on to the next life. Moses also used it to ordain Joshua as his successor. Uh, Numbers twenty-seven, eighteen, 18, um, and, and I'll read it. It's just uh, two verses. Well, no, I lied. Three verses. Twenty-seven, eighteen, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. And set him before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation and give him a charge in their sight. And it says, And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And in Deuteronomy 34.9 it says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands upon him and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. So it was a sign, uh, a representation of um, the transference of some of what Moses had. And the people recognized that and they honored that. And they looked at Joshua as their leader, um, just as they looked at Moses. That wasn't all that it was used for. It was also used for a a type of consecration. Um, 
for we see in the day of atonement which basically was the when they would uh, in the Old Testament uh, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies but before he would do that and thankfully we don't have to you know witness this anymore but uh Aaron's, uh, the Bible says in Leviticus 16.21, that Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. So they would be doing this transference, basically... This transference of, of all the sins, because there had to be an innocent sacrifice. Uh, that was the whole point of the Old Testament. I mean, it wasn't the whole point, but everything leading up to Christ, every year there would be an innocent animal that would, that would basically, one, they would pray for them, just like I said, and they would lead him away. And the other one, they would pray for him. They'd pray for the, they'd lay their hands on the goat, and that goat would be sacrificed. Um, they also did this on an individual level uh, of a sin sacrifice. In Leviticus 1.4, it's 1.4, and then in 4.4 4 says, And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, being the animal, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And in chapter 4, verse 4 of the same book, Leviticus, it says, And he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head, and kill the bullock before the Lord. These were spiritual transfers. We have Jacob transferring to his children. We have Moses transferring his power to Joshua. We have the high priest transferring the sins to the scapegoat, the goat that got sent off. And then we had the individual uh, sacrifice for the animal, um, the individual to the sacrificial animal. And like I said, it's very important to remember these, these qualities did not flow magically or physically by, by means of laying on the hands. The laying on the hands represented what God would do spiritually. And it helped people believe and accept the invisible act of God. Alright? We move on into the New Testament. Is everybody okay with that? So far? We're just kind of pulling some scriptures just so we're not feeding just from the New Testament. But the Old Testament um, that's been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, it all parallels and correlates perfectly with the New Testament. So one thing about the Bible is that nothing will contradict itself. That's why it's so amazing that we can have you know, over 30 different authors from spanning... The entire time uh, of our known history, at least biblically speaking, um, you know, I don't necessarily believe that the planet is, I mean, it could be, you know, however many billions years old, but we don't want to go into that. Um, but it all correlates perfectly. It, it, it lines up perfectly. Why? Because God was the author, Right? So it's great if you can use scriptures from the entire Bible to, um, 
to talk about a point, to prove a point. Because um, these are important things that we need to learn. Because a lot of this stuff, you know, we want to see this stuff happening in our church. We want healings in our church, right? We want, because this is what God ordained his church to do. And we are the church. So we are the ones that will be doing this. And it's, it's too bad. I mean, and this is something that we see that is done all the time uh, in our local churches, especially in those uh, Pentecostal-type um, churches. But when we look to the New Testament, we see that laying on of hands continuing uh, to be used for symbolizing a spiritual transfer and inspiring faith. Uh, there are examples for blessing, for healing, receiving the Holy Spirit, and consecration or ordination to service. Um, so th- that being said, there are a few examples of when laying on of hands is not used. Okay, um, It doesn't always have to be that way, but uh, there are times when it is necessary. But there there are examples of the latter. So I'll show you those real quick. Matthew, same book we started out in. We'll go to chapter 8. And it's going to be verses 5 through 13. And for some of you, this may be a familiar set of scriptures, but for some it may not be. But we're still going to read it. Because just like I said at the beginning, you can never have too much prayer. And you can never have too much reading of the Word. Amen? Maurice had a lot of scriptures on Sunday. He was just going crazy. Just shotgunning those scriptures like a madman. That was good. That was good. Uh, So Matthew chapter 8 verse 5 says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Jesus was going to... uh, he was willing to go to the man's house to pray for uh, his servant. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. That is quite a testimony for that centurion. Amen. He goes on to say, And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he closes with this, says, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Jesus was willing to go there, but the man stopped him because he understood who was in his who uh, whose presence he was in. All right, he understood that that Jesus was not just your ordinary man, but he had authority. With those, with those things. And he just had to speak it. There's power in words. Amen? There's power in the spoken word. And I'm thankful for that today. But this man had faith. That's kind of one of the key things. He had 
the faith to believe and to know who he was talking to. That was Jesus Christ. And he knew what Jesus Christ was capable of doing. He recognized that power that Jesus had. That he was standing in the presence of somebody not of this world. We see this in Acts 2.1. When the church began. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Very familiar scripture. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. And I'm so thankful for this scripture. It says, They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. This was the very first outpouring so Obviously, there wasn't anybody there to lay hands on them to receive the gift. They were all seeking it, and they all received it at the same time. And in chapter 10, verse 44, it's just one scripture. It's when Peter was speaking these words, when he was preaching to them. It says, The Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. Power in the spoken word. Amen. Acts 14.9 says, The same heard, Acts chapter 14, verse 9, said, The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. Amen. It is divinely appointed act that helps the recipient to focus faith to receive that is the laying on of hands you and I, and it's not necessarily that every time we lay hands on someone that means that they don't have the faith but it helps them to kind of focus in whatever area they may be lacking as far as faith or believing or something they've been needing um this is what uh, laying, a, uh, laying on of hands can do for them. Um, so we just showed where there wasn't laying on of hands. There was faith. There was the spoken word. We saw miracles of healing. Just awesome things being done. But the Bible does talk a lot about laying on of hands as well. And I'm reading a lot of scripture, and I should have said this at the start, but I should have said, if you want to just write them down, it's great because you can, and I encourage you to, to kind of do, you know, do your own study on these things, because, uh, you know, don't just take my word for it. And any good pastor would say, you know, don't just take my word for it. Please, take these scriptures, study them for yourself. And let me know if you have any questions. Or pastor. Or Brother Maurice. If we happen to be preaching. Hint, hint. Just kidding. 
So we see examples where uh, where laying on of hands was used and, we, and it was used for blessings. And that's Matthew chapter nineteen, verse fourteen and fifteen. It says, "But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven." And Jesus did this; he laid his hands on them before leaving. He laid his hands on them and then departed thence. He wanted to bless those children. He laid his hands on them in an act as a sign of <clears throat> blessing. We see it used for healing in Mark chapter 6, verse 5. It says, And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and he healed them. This is when Jesus is in Nazareth, in his hometown. There was, nobody was believing him. They weren't. For whatever reason, they just did not believe that this boy that they saw growing up was really who he said he was. And there was a few who believed. And those few, he laid hands on them, needing faith for laying, uh, on, uh, laying hands. It's a value. Um, is to encourage and encourage those people to believe, I'm sure. Because I don't know about you, but it is... I'm just going off personal. You know, I'm kind of speculating a little bit, but if I'm surrounded in a room by a bunch of people who are calling somebody who 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 don't believe that that the truth is being spoken, and I'm the lone believer, I may be a little gun shy when I want to go up and get prayed for. And there were only a few people who actually received healings and. They didn't reach out and touch his, the hem of his garment. They didn't reach out and touch. Jesus reached out and laid his hands on them. And the Bible says they were healed. Um, and it's too bad for the rest of the people in Nazareth that I'm sure had needs. Uh, but they just couldn't find themselves to believe. In Luke chapter 4 verse 40 says, Now when the sun was setting... All they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And then in Acts 28, 8, we see, And it came to pass that the father of, uh, the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in, prayed, laid his hands on him, and healed him. And for those of you who just showed up, we're talking about the laying on of hands. And uh, I've just been giving some scriptures. We went through the Old Testament. And now we're to the New Testament. Um, and kind of just showing the importance of and why we are doing it, for the most part, uh, of laying on of hands when we're praying for people for different reasons. Um, and why it's ordained by God for us to do that, especially... Uh, here in this building and then wherever we're at if we feel the need to lay our hands on someone to pray for them then by all means please do that we see it for receiving the Holy Ghost and this is um, yeah Mark chapter 6 verse 5 it's okay we're a small group you can just just holler out please just because I'm blabbing on doesn't mean you can't interrupt me please it's fine um so we saw the healing aspect of laying on of hands. We're going to see the receiving of the Holy Ghost with the laying on of hands. Acts chapter 8 verse 14 says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem 
heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. It says, for as yet he was fallen... Um, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, they believed, they had been baptized, but it wasn't finished yet. They needed to receive the Holy Ghost. And I know Pastor talked about this quite a few months ago, uh, about this aspect of it. It says, Then laid their hands, laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And laid they their hands on them. So they believed, they were baptized, but it wasn't done yet. They had to finish it. They had to receive the Holy Ghost. And that came with the apostles laying their hands on them to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm just glad that I go to a church that believes in receiving the Holy Ghost. The power, that the, 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 the authority that comes with receiving the Holy Ghost, that that peace, that, that love, that joy, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, with, you know, in the day and age we live in where everything is so critical and everything has to be known and everything's Google searched and, and, and you know, and if it hasn't been uh, tweeted or posted on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or something like that, in other words, if it can't be seen or heard, then it's kind of weird, and people don't like to talk about it. And if you do talk about it, they look at you kind of like, man, eh, you're one of those. You know. But the reality is, is that God placed this for our benefit. Because He knew what we would be facing when we, ha- when we go outside. And that we needed, that we need that supernatural strength to get us through some of our daily trials that that we have to face. Um, So we see it there where they lay their hands on them and they receive the Holy Ghost. And then in Acts chapter 19, verse 6, it says, And when Paul had laid, uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 6, I get a little ahead of myself. And it says, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues, and prophesied, or spake with other languages that they had not known beforehand, and prophesied. So we see it for healing, we see it for receiving the Holy Ghost, and then we also see it for consecration or ordination to service, which, as we said, pastor is going to be going for this weekend um, before the board, and they're going to be... Um, getting his uh, his not his local but his uh, national whatever yeah uh, license um, he's going to be recognized and they're going to pray for him um, and usually they will do this and they'll uh, lay their hands upon them and we see this in Acts chapter 6 verse 1 says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And verse 2 says, And then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, when I was reading this, uh, you know, 
some of the some people can look at that in a negative sense, right? Well, we don't want to leave the word of God just to go serve tables. But what is so important is that they didn't take lightly who they put in charge of serving the tables. Okay? They prayed through the Holy Ghost and they chose righteous, holy, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, people that they could trust to do these tasks. It says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among, uh, among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. What am I saying? There is no such thing as a small ministry. Okay? Each and every one of us has a ministry that, that, that God has ordained each and every one of you for. It may not be up here. It may not be back there. It may not even be over there where we serve. But there's something that each and every one of us can do. All right? These guys, they, I mean, they took their time. They prayed. They found awesome men to do what? To, to serve, basically to serve food and make sure that the, the needy saints, the saints that were in need, the saints that were struggling, didn't go hungry. They didn't take that lightly. In fact, I'm about to read their names off, and we're going to see exactly who these men were. It says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, the very first one. He was a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And this is what happened. The word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to faith. So, I don't ever want to take for granted any ministry that we... And and I pray that any... You know, if there's... Whatever the whatever gets placed on my shoulders, I don't ever want to take that lightly. Because Stephen, the first man that was chosen to to serve tables, was what the Bible says. He had a big role to fill. Because it wasn't too much farther ahead. In fact, uh, the next scripture, the next verse. We see Stephen run into some angry people. They were in charge of distributing food to the needy saints, in charge of day-to-day. Did you recognize one name? Stephen, first martyr who's filled with faith. It says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And right after that, there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, says they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And it goes on where Stephen starts preaching to them. And that's in chapter 6, verse 10 of Acts. And we skip ahead to Acts chapter 7, verse 54. 
It says, When they heard these things, they being the men that Stephen was preaching to, they were cut to their heart, and they literally gnawed on him with their teeth. The Bible says they gnashed on him with their teeth. It says, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. They ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city. They stoned him. And when he was stoned, it was noted that he was calling upon God. Not just calling on God, but he was saying, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And I love how the Bible says, when he said this, the Bible says, he fell asleep. He cried. He lifted up his voice, voice asking to be received. But before he was received, he said, lay this sin not to their charge. And I'm glad he did that because whose coats did the men who stoned them lay? Who, who was holding the coats of those men that stoned Stephen? Saul otherwise known as Paul who wrote authored the majority of the New Testament books I feel bad for my wife right now because she uh, was really hoping that she wouldn't have to go into the back room tonight <laughs> to pray for Asher lay some hands on him in prayer of course of course in Acts chapter 13 too so I you know we were talking about the laying out of hands and they ordained these men to, to basically keep take care of the day to day things and they showed this kind of like how uh, you know Moses ordained Joshua but they laid their hands on them and in Acts 13 verse 2 and 3 we see uh, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, Saul being Paul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. The Bible does give a little warning, though. It does say in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. And yes, some people have used this scripture to say that you shouldn't lay the beat down on anybody, but really, it, and I'm, I'm, you know, if I was a, if I was a young boy and I had was a Bible quizzer or something like that, and if I knew this scripture, I probably would have thrown it at my mom a couple times right before she was about to. Lay no hands suddenly. Mother, please. It says, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, so keep thyself pure. Basically, Paul is telling Timothy, don't just go and anoint. Timothy's job was to, to keep these churches running, to, to fulfill and, and have these churches grow. And Paul was warning him not to just ordain and bless and lay your hands on these people that are coming up in the church because 
you just they they there has to be some testing not testing but you don't want to give them too much power at least what they think they have because they can lead other people away and we've seen it multiple times in churches where churches split because people just weren't grounded in the the truth in the word of god and they get this wild idea and it's not scriptural and unfortunately they usually take a good chunk of people with them but it's a very clear warning not to do that and I put it in my notes just don't be willy nilly with it alright don't be don't be just you know don't be Ben and him Benny him and people you know I'm just kidding he, he's <laughs> that's for healing that's different at least that's what he says <laughs> Right. Right. Um, and I'm sure Timothy was good at that. Uh, you know, because it was just supposed to be from the Spirit. So not what, um, you know, whether or not he felt that they were good, but what did the Spirit lead him to do? Um, so we've looked at examples in the Old Testament, we looked at examples in the New Testament, so we're going to kind of round this up and draw some, I think, what are safe, uh, you know, different examples um, that we can uh, safely identify purposes of the laying on of hands, all right? For one, we, can, we know that it symbolizes the transference of blessings from God to us, all right? Particularly, it's helpful in praying for blessings. So if you're trying to bless someone, if you're trying to pray for healing, most importantly, well, healing and then receiving the Holy Ghost is very uh, widely used. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's very important um, because it's, it's, uh, it's very effective in, in helping people with their faith, with, with making that... Um, taking that next step, um, going from repentance to on to receiving uh, the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, and then, lastly, for the ordination and anointing of a service or a blessing or moving on of uh, authority, um, it's it also it, what it does. It, it signifies uh, number two. It signifies the joint work of God's Spirit and God's Church. All right, we know that God could do these things. Hold on, buddy. We know that God, just listen. We know that God could do these things without our hands. But he wants to move through his church. That's why he has his church. So that we can be the light. So that we can be Jesus Christ to the world. So he desires to use us. And that's a physical manifestation of God's Transferring of his spirit, of his power, is by the faith and by the visible sign of laying on of hands. I'm thankful for that. I mean that that God really he you know he he puts some responsibility on us to you know um, to be an active member of His church. Yeah, buddy. Okay. Yeah, mommy's out there. Ashley's okay. 
Thank you for interrupting, though. You're pretty cute. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm sorry. I know he's mad. Um, so we see that it, it, it's a it's a uh, it it's, it takes two. It takes the we God's spirit is there. It's just our faith and using the church to transfer that uh, authority. The number three, it represents submission to God and His church. It expresses intimacy or authority. Basically, you know, we see adults putting their hands on children, putting, you know, caring for, you know, that 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 sign of authority over the church. But rarely do you see adults, unless it's like an affectionate, you know, rubbing of the hair, or like I don't have any hair. People like to come up and just rub my hair. You know, oh, it's so soft. You know, whatever. Um, I'm used to it. Uh, but when you see it with adults, you know, it's, it's a sign of respecting the authority of the person who's laying their hands. And that's a submission. And, and that's huge because a lot of that is what is required to receive the Holy Ghost. You're submitting yourself to God's authority, to God's plan, which is simple. But what do you have to do? You have to basically say, okay you know what, I can't do this on my own. God has this plan set set in motion. I just want to jump on the ride. And I'm thankful that he made it so simple. Right? I'm thankful that he didn't require me to go on a cross, but he, all he wants me to do is submit myself to him and to say that, you know what, to say that we can't do it on our own. And when we, when we allow someone to come up and pray for us to place their hand on our head, that's recognizing spiritual authority. And it's not even to say that, it's not, authority has such a negative connotation nowadays. It's like, you know, it, it's not a bad authority. It's just recognizing that there's a lot of faith that's being expressed by the laying on of hands through the minister. So it demonstrates submission to God, most importantly, and to godly leaders. And that there's a need for both God and the church. All right, so we talked about one, it symbolizes the transfer of blessing from God to us. We talked about it signifying the joint work of God's Spirit and God's church. Three, we talked about representing submission to God and His church. And in four, it represents consecration to God. In other words, it's more than just receiving the Spirit. It's a new dedication to God. Because that's the thing. The Bible says he doesn't want, he, he wants us to be either cold or hot. Right? If we're lukewarm, he's going to spit us out. If you don't believe me, you can read about it. He talks about it. Jesus does. He wants us to be on fire for him. He doesn't want us to be not on fire for him, but he doesn't want you in that middle area. Alright? Because he gave it all. So how can he ask for anything less? 
And see, the amazing thing is that, you know, you know, I'm thankful that God didn't ask me to go to the jungles of Brazil, okay, or to the, uh, you know, the regions of the outer regions of Alaska. Um, that would have been terrible. If God would have asked me, then how? Who am I to say no? I, I, I have. Uh, I would have. I would have done it. Might not have been the happiest person for a little while, but if God wanted that of me, but see, God, God knows us at such an intimate level that He, you know, He knows the beginning from the end, and, the, and this is how you know. This is Ryan. This is how I believe uh, that that could be possible because we're not, you know, there is no, as far as we're not set on a steady, you know, either to hell or heaven with no choice. You know, that, that, that that's not how it works. But I really believe that God has a plan, a perfect plan lined, lined up for us from birth to death. He has this like plotted out line. And it's not going to be perfect. You know, it's going to go up. It's going to go down. There's going to be things that happen. Right. Exactly. But we have to be in tune with God and to follow his footsteps where he's leading us. But then I'm not going to church. You know, I'm just, I'm doing my own thing. So I start wandering off over this way. And all of a sudden my trajectory changes a whole lot from what God originally had me planned for. The thing I'm so thankful for, and God did this on a grand scheme. He did this on the entire population scheme. He saw the whole trajectory that Adam and Eve set us on, and He put in place Jesus Christ so that we could realign ourselves with what He really wanted, and that was to commune and to be with His people. That's why He created us. And there's a lot of people that are hurting, that are desiring something. They just don't know exactly what it is. And it's our job to bring that to them. And I don't know how I got that far off. Okay, that rabbit show was a long one. It was a deep one. We should come back. All right. So it represents consecration to God. A new dedication to God. That was number four. And lastly, number five, it focuses people's faith to receive a promise from God at a particular time. And, and Brother Bernard gives a couple examples. He grew up in uh, Korea as a missionary uh, kid. His parents were missionaries there. And he said that they would have these four or five day revivals. And we don't see those anymore. If some of you are familiar, if you're kind of new to, to church or especially to the Pentecostal movement, there used to be days, you know, back, I mean, I guess the, as probably the 90s. I don't know, they probably still do them in, 2000, in this millennia, I guess. But especially like 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they would have like one week, two week, three week revivals where they would have church every single night. And not just like, you know, you know, quick church, you know, hour. I mean, they'd be like, you know, two, three hours. But, but it was so awesome because the Spirit of God would move and it would be so heavy there. And it would just be, I mean, it would be church, man. It would just be, you know, 
Holy Ghost shouting. You know, you leave that place and you're floating. I mean, it's, it was awesome. But what they would do is they would have these four to five day revivals there. In the first two or three days, they would have the, the, the evangelists would be, would be preaching about you know, repentance and forgiveness of sins, talking about receiving the Holy Ghost. Those are the first few days. And then the last day or two would be about receiving the Holy Ghost. And what they would do is they would, they would, they would be having them praying and they'd be, they'd be asking for forgiveness and getting in this place where they would tell them, you know, okay, now what we're going to do is you're going to feel us lay our hands on you. And when you feel this, when you, when you feel our hands, sometimes it has to be tapped in it as a short or something. Yeah. Not suddenly. Um, they would lay their hands on them and immediately, not, you know, in his example, it would say things would happen. Their, their faith would be so high that when they, were, when they felt those hands, so the faith of the minister combined with the faith of who was receiving it, they, they received the Holy Ghost, there would be healings, all kinds of things happening on those last two days. Because there's something about when your faith is down here and it is combined with someone whose faith is up here and they feel that when their hand comes on them. And I don't, you know, it's one of those things that's just awesome about God. You know, there's no magic in my skinny fingers, you know, my bony hands. It's like it has nothing to do with me. It's just like when we go down in water baptism, it's not the water itself that's, that's making our lives clean, that's washing away the old me and, and covering me. It's symbolizing. We do these things out of obedience to the Word of God and in faith knowing that God will honor His Word. God said to do it, so we're going to do it and believe and know that if God said it, I'm going to do it and he's going to answer because he always meets us. So he spoke about the revivals. He, talk, he spoke about uh, a military man that happened to be there who was seeking, who was desiring to get filled with the Holy Ghost. He was seeking. He, prayed, he taught him through repentance, through uh, through the forgiveness and understanding what that was and letting him know that, okay, when I, when I lay my hands on your head, I want you to be thanking God for the Holy Ghost because you're going to receive it. And there's something that, ha- you know, the faith that was there, that man received the Holy Ghost once he laid the hands on him. And honestly, one thing that I never really thought about, um, I mean, I, I did, but... Maybe it's just my timidness, um, personally speaking. Uh, but it's important that we, if we're going to lay our hands for someone, lay our hands on someone to receive the Holy Ghost. It's important and it's right that we explain to them and let them know that this is what we're about to do. 
you haven't spoken with them already and you see them praying and you come up and you're praying with them and you ask them if they've received the Holy Ghost or if there's a need, it's important that we let them know that, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Have you already repented? You have. Well, we believe that. All you have to do is speak your repentance and believe it. And God will honor that. And that when I, when I lay my hands on you, we're going to combine our faith and we're going to believe that whatever that need is, it's going to be met. In other words, not just walking up to them, okay, and just, you know, grabbing them by the head and, you know, aggressing, you know, being really aggressive and creating a lot of fiction isn't, or friction isn't going to, isn't going to make it happen any better, but the, the, the person who's on the receiving end, remember the one who's in submission, the one who is acknowledging the fact that we can't do it, the one who's acknowledging the fact that, that we need to be submitted to God by asking for forgiveness, that they need to know that this is what's happening. Amen? And another thing that, we, that, that is mentioned is that a more non-authoritative way of praying for people, which we see all the time, which is great, and that's just coming up to, some, to someone and laying a hand on their shoulder, on their, you know, on their back, uh, you know, if it's appropriate. Um, there's been some interesting, <laughs> some funny stories from Bible college where overzealous Bible students just, it was... Yeah, you just need to be be appropriate, okay? Um, but that is that is very much important as well because we, like we prayed about at the beginning, we prayed about out in front. We are in this together, all right? And the Word of God has showed us, has laid out these things for us. Why? To help us grow as a church, for the edifying of the church edifying of us that's what these gifts are for not to bring division or not to cause confusion but to edify and to lift up the church and the laying on of hands or praying for someone by laying your hands on them is something that we are to do it is a doctrine that we talked about at the very beginning in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 2 of the doctrine of baptisms, very important, and of laying on of hands. This is doctrine. This is, this is a big deal. Because then it says, and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. These things that we will have to see. So, in conclusion, and everybody said, just kidding. Everybody said amen. Come on. Cut me some slack. My the beads of sweater starting to form. It says, when we teach the significance of laying on of hands and prepare people to receive something um, from God at the laying on of hands, then we will see many marvelous healings and outpourings of the Spirit. When we obey the instructions of God's Word and focus our faith accordingly, we have the assurance 
that God will bestow his abundant blessings. And that's what's important. We want to see marvelous healings and the outpouring of his spirit. Not just because we want our church to grow, but we want people's lives to be affected in a good way. To be empowered and most importantly to be changed. Amen? I love that. We have the assurance. There should be no doubt that God will bestow His abundant blessings on us. Especially in the day and hour in which we live. And who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, seven days till D-Day. So hope you're all prayed up. Because the Lord's coming back. Just kidding. <laughs> he will eventually. Help me. Yes. So let's uh, let's close in prayer. We can stand. Um, I'm done flapping my 